Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, I get to flip the mic just a little bit because I did not preach this past week, but Pastor Dina did. And so this week, we are talking about our mission tag rollout, Expanding Christ Community, uh, through relationship, discipleship, and worship. And we're in the worship section. Last uh, two weeks ago, we actually talked about exaltation in worship. This week, we talked about edification and Ephesians chapter 5 and Deuteronomy chapter 11. And there was a whole lot bound up in that. Uh, Pastor Dino, any first thoughts on your sermon? Yeah, I think, you know, once we realize the holiness of God and our position before God the way Isaiah did in that beautiful Isaiah 6 passage then we have to figure out what now like we can't just stay there paralyzed in awe even if we might want to but Mm. we have to figure out what now what does this mean for me now and especially as people that didn't experience that kind of glory of God firsthand but certainly have had glimpses of God's glory throughout we have to figure out how we live in light of that and so when we use the word edification that's kind of what we mean that shaping that education is at least a part of it but it's not the the sum total of it that that our worship of this holy god shapes every part of our lives mm. it's it, you know and we've said over and over again worship isn't a one hour a week task that we check off but it, it's a part of our our lives and our being and there's there's nothing that should not be subject to this holy 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 god well wow. uh, so right off the bat there <laughs> uh big question because um y- you dove into so in our reform tradition we often equate edification with education and mm-hmm. so like what el- what do you see in the in the the formation process that maybe we have left out or or what do we need to be thinking about in terms of edification and and not limiting that i think as as i drew out in the sermon i think the idea of wisdom and wisdom isn't always doesn't always look like the correct answer um wisdom that doesn't always fit the um the pattern of what the world says Mm -hmm. should happen i think there's a graciousness bound up in it too. When we remember that we are people of unclean lips, then we can remember that we live among people of unclean lips and that as we worship the God who forgave us, I think it helps to create in us a a perspective that, that allows us to be more gracious to other people. And it's funny. I think sometimes I think the world gets it better than we do as we see memes and as we see t-shirts you know, saying everyone's fighting a battle that you can't see, or if you can choose anything, choose to be the kind person. If you can be anything, choose to be kind kind of things that, that our worship of God should, should create those inclinations in us. If I rightly remember where I am before God, which, you know, should be on my knees, then, then I can, I can approach other people with a different spirit than if I think I'm better than them. If I think, you know, I'm really pretty good. So I, I deserve a a position of authority. Um, and, and also the idea that worship encourages us. There are certainly moments when we can't 
see the glory of God, when we can't see God's direction, where where God's direction makes no sense to us and we are bound up in this hurt, hurtful, broken, sinful world. And so worship encourages our own hearts and, and the hearts of those around us. You know, I have an image, you know, going back to the Old Testament where um, I think it was Aaron held up Moses's hands or um, anyway, someone couldn't keep their, yeah, they held up Moses's yeah, Moses. hands. He could, they couldn't keep, he couldn't, didn't have the strength to do it for himself. So other people did it for him. And I think when done well, our worship can do that too. When, when mm. I'm having, when I can't find it in my heart to worship God, because my heart is so broken and so questioning that being in the presence of others, worshiping bolsters me and holds me up and moves me forward so that I can get the strength to return the favor when the tables are reversed. Okay, so and I like the way that I uh, that that you're explaining this because edification is then not just edification of the mind, intellectually understanding that mm-hmm. okay, God is good, but also that that emotional formation, it's heart formation yeah. that lets us know in the midst of brokenness the goodness of God mm-hmm. in our lives, which is a really it's a there you know people can understand okay i should understand god is good uh you know the old child's prayer god is good god is great let us thank us for this food mm-hmm. and there's a totally different aspect of being edified in a way that we actually then have a warmth towards god and we actually are are emotionally inclined towards him as well mm-hmm. yeah and worship has a sense of of cultivation too that that we have to work on those parts of our lives. We have to build up the muscle memory because then when things are falling apart, when the bottom does fall out, it's not completely foreign. It's the same as Mm. the idea of, of learning to pray every day, to give thanks in all things, to, um, to constantly be submitting to God so that when things get really hard, it's not a new skill that you're learning that you already have that, that muscle memory that can carry you almost like a fake it till you make it kind of thing (laughs) that, and sometimes that's, that's the most we can offer is to present ourselves in worship, even as we're, you know, our, we're storming around inside of our brains thinking, where are you God? What, Mm. what is going on? And still, because this is, this is what I do. This is what I know. I'm, I'm coming to you saying, help me out, figure, help me figure it out. Help me bring me peace. Um, Almost like um, Job when, when he says, though he slay me yet, I will trust in him. Mm -hmm. You know, that wasn't born out of like, well, I've got nothing else, but that was actually born out of a life that was directed towards God. I mean, looking at the beginning of Job, um, God actually lifts Job up as an example saying, Mm -hmm consider my servant Job I have no one else like him and the 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 splitter the devil the 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 accuser um Satan uh says does God or does Job serve God for nothing it's because you've given him all these things but Job actually had it in his muscle memory that that to praise God and so Mm -hmm. when the disaster came when he lost his his family wealth when he lost his family um he was able to still praise God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't be a, a good 
hockey player if you didn't practice and then showed up to the game and expected to be able to do the the tasks and manage the skills when the opponents are firing pucks at you and trying Mm. to score on you you couldn't be a good swimmer if you didn't do any work until the meet and then expected to be fast and strong so our spiritual lives should be the same way it's something that we should work on and work towards not in a earning god's approval kind of way but in in an edification way in that this shapes us this this gives us the tools the, the words we read in moments of of joy and in moments of stabi- stability are what will carry us then when when we don't know where to turn you know those things are in our hearts uh, i one commentary i think it was nt Wright in his paul for everyone can't go wrong series. with him yeah um, and and the that it's not really a commentary it's not really a devotion either it's somewhere in between yeah but he tries to make the scriptures approachable i think it was him he used the idea of a garden that that something's going to grow there and if you don't want it to be weeds then you need to plant hardy shrubs you need to plant things intentionally so that they're going to grow and crowd out the other weeds and i guess i see the same as see that as the edification of worship we have to cultivate in our hearts these things that we want to be there so that that we have a place to turn when um when when it's harder to do that and i think anybody who's honest there are moments where it's much harder to worship god than it is others personal moments (laughs) national moments um i had i had mentioned that worship grounds us in thanksgiving and it's it's hard to imagine giving thanks in the face of wildfires that are devastating Mm. nearly an entire island especially you know an entire town it's hard to worship god when these tragedies hit the news when we hear of violence against schools when we hear about earthquakes and famines and you know and those are large level things it's hard to worship god when our spouse or our parent has gotten news that they only have days or weeks or months to live Mm. in those moments we need we need what we we need our shape we need the things that have shaped us all along to be present so that we don't completely fall apart that's um i mean there are a number of things thinking about that um you know what a joy then we have in the psalms because david Mm -hmm. does talk about i mean david takes this right to god his formation is is happens in relationship with god and taking Mm -hmm. these these issues directly to him you know Lord, I, you know, there are evil people all around me. They seem to have success. I seem to be failing all over. What is going on? And yet I will still praise you Mm -hmm. in the midst of all this. And there are so many Psalms where David is, is working out the difficulties of a life and relationship with God, um, in the midst of his, in the midst of also worshiping him and trusting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got a lot of wisdom in the, in the Psalms then. Yeah. And I love the Psalms because they're not a God is good all the time kind of chant because <laughs> sometimes it doesn't feel like God is good. Even, even if somewhere, you know, that it, it's really hard to say that it's really hard to, 
present that. But David doesn't mince words in the Psalms. As you said, you know, it feels like everyone else is succeeding and I'm failing. Where are you, God? It feels like all my friends have turned into enemies and they're slinging arrows at me and I don't know where you are and I don't know where I am and I'm sinking in the miry clay and all that stuff. But he also, in so many places, then rehearses all the ways that God has mm. been faithful in the past. And I think worship helps us to do that. That's why I spent a little bit of time in this sermon talking about the prayer requests that we take publicly and then share. We get to see the way God answers. We get you, And we do. We celebrate when, when there is answered prayer. So that gives us courage for the things we don't immediately see an answer to or that that are troubling us. You know, seeing the way God has acted in the past gives us courage for the future. That's what the Israelites did all along. And mm. you know, even our our communion liturgy, which we don't do the full liturgy um that's in the the Book of Common Worship, but but even it does right. that too. It it goes through the whole history of what God has done so that we have hope for the future. Like if God has always been with us in the past then we have hope for the God that will be with us yeah. in the future. And again, in worship, we we remind ourselves of these things. We we rehearse them over and over again. That it it's kind of like the connection that we made to Deuteron- Deuteronomy, where they physically wore those things as a reminder, yeah. as a connection, as as um, a visual and physical reminder of who God was, what God has demanded of them, and and that gave them hope for the things to come. You know, as, as you're talking about this, one of the things that's making me realize, or not realize, but remember, um, and, and no pun intended as I use that, is that so much of edification and so much of the Old Testament, as you're talking about with the, the, the phylacteries and the, the different things, mm-hmm. were designed not to teach something new, but to remind of something that was already there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's an important thing because we are so enamored with new knowledge and with new discoveries and with new whatever. So I um, I enjoy looking at kind of the latest car technology. And mm-hmm. right now, uh, to timestamp this this further, one of the things coming down the, the pike for, for EVs is solid state battery technology. Mm-hmm. And so I've been keeping, I've been keeping an eye on this <laughs> and, you know, what's the latest on this? And now they're talking about you know, uh, I think it was MIT maybe that it is working on a solution where you can actually use concrete as a, as a battery storage. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I, I always love that new knowledge and what's the, the latest in psychology today and so on and so forth. And we get so enamored with the new and the latest. And you think about that, um, uh, shows like America's Got Talent mm-hmm. and so on. What's the new and the latest? What can people do? What are the limits that they're stretching? That's all about novelty and hitting that that uh, dopamine receptor mm-hmm. one more time. Whereas so much of what God does is um, is remember this. Remember that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember my co- my covenant remember my commands remember my laws and and be holy because i'm holy mm-hmm. um and that's a much different you know eugene peterson had the, the you know a long obedience in the same direction gosh that sounds boring but that's that's what 
God is calling us to. It's mm-hmm. not not to new and improved, new and improved. Yeah. But to a, a certain, excuse me, a certain direction over the course of time, which produces in us um, rhythms and it produces in us patterns and habits that allow us to be in relationship with the holy, holy, holy God. Yeah. And and that's why it's so important to remember, too, the, the personal nature of this, but also the communal nature of this, to be a part of a community that is moving in this direction, mm-hmm. that can that can support you, that can remind you, that can can help to shape you. Because, I mean, it, it, if that's how we're using edification, which I think makes sense, that, that shaping, that molding, then... It, on our own, anytime the wind blows, we're going to be blown off course. If we're mm. surrounded by a, peop- a group of people that are also committed to this long obedience in the same direction, they can they can help keep us on on course. They can hold on to us when it feels like everything is blowing away, and that's an important thing. And again, something we've lost as as religion as faith has become so private, so personal, so. Um, just me and Jesus and that's all that matters. Yeah. And and again, we can't we can't go back to the idea that heritage or family lineage or our culture is going to save us, but we also can't swing the other way that it's a completely personal decision divorced from any yeah. other person whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think about so this week um we just got back from vacation, and um, as we were driving our, our on our way home from Boston, um, Katie got an email from our our Y, our local Y. We're, mm. we're a member of, of uh, the Y, and um, it said that they were closed this week for deep cleaning. Mm. And already, uh, you know, this the the pa- previous week was an interruption of my of my patterns. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh no, two weeks out of my patterns. That's yeah, that makes me nervous. And one of the things that that Katie and I decided is that we would get up early and walk our dogs together, mm. um, so that we one we both got the dogs out, but also two we could keep our each other accountable, and so that we would be able to do that together because on our own. Yeah, we can do it and we should do it. Yeah. But will we do it? Right. Right. Yeah, it it we need that accountability, we need that willingness to hold us up. And and we also need to be willing to teach other people how to worship and what worship looks like especially our kids, anybody who is newer to the church and newer to the faith. But I think especially our kids, we have to teach them what worship looks like, what this right position in the face of God looks like. Again, because they're going to face all the same things that, that we do and probably worse. And, and they need to know, one, how to hold on to God in the middle of that, and two, that they're surrounded by a community that's going to help them to hold on to God in the middle of that. And that's a it's a hard thing to do, but it's so important that that we help those around us 
not to the detriment of our own growth, but, but maybe putting aside our own needs and proclivities so that someone else can grow and learn and be brought along too. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I think it does. I, I mean, there have been times in worship where I have definitely experienced the the ministry of 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 the whole group, mm-hmm. like where I actually drop out of of uh, singing, and and I think of those moments in worship where I drop out and I'm like, whatever it is, this is apparently what my soul needs, mm-hmm. and, and it's the ministry of that entire group in the worship that is yes they are exalting god but they're also then ministering and edifying my heart and my soul in that moment um which goes to the isaiah 6 vision the those seraphim are declaring the exaltation of god holy 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 but they're also declaring it to one another if you look in the passage mm-hmm. and so they why would they need to call it out to one another well they're 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 strengthening one another. They're calling out to one another. They're edifying. They're they're shaping. They're forming. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had those moments too. And and sometimes it it looks like a prayer, and sometimes it looks like a particular song or a particular voice leading us in song. Sometimes it's the the group of voices together and the beauty that that comes from harmony. And so it's not it's not one particular form mm. of anything which I think is important to realize. I, I think sometimes in the church, it, it's our habit to say, oh, this worked once. Let's do it forever and <laughs> expect it to work over and over and over again. Yes. And not that it can't ever work again, but that I think I say that as a reminder that different ways of worship, different modes, different parts of worship will speak to our hearts at different times. Yes. Uh, it, it, I, I'm, I'm reminded, uh, I, I'm going to loosely uh, reference Winston Churchill here and just say how much blood, sweat, and tears has been shed over forms in mm-hmm. the church. And I wish that were an exaggeration. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, l- let's camp out on that for just a second because um, one of the things that I noticed in here is that Paul, Paul talks about... Um, sing to one another with songs, hymns, and, and spiritual songs. Now, there are some there are some um, branches of the faith that have taken that, and it's something called the regulative pr- principle, and said that, okay, only these things are allowed. And, and we could have that discussion, but that's not the direction I want to go. But really, that that what I want to point out here is that there are songs and hymns and spiritual songs that we get in snippets in the scriptures Mm -hmm. but we don't actually get their form we don't get the music we don't get the the full lyrics paul Mm -hmm. will sometimes just reference a little part of it that we think oh this must have been an early hymn Mm -hmm. but those things have not endured um and did you have any thoughts on that as you were going through i mean that's that's one of those sticking points yeah because you and I, sorry, you and I both grew up through the 80s and 90s, which was like height of worship wars. Yeah, yeah. And so there's probably a good number of us that have PTSD, and it still goes on today. Yeah, and I think it's hard because it's so personal. And, you know, I know the two of us have talked about, you know, 
objectively good songs and bad songs. And there are some bad songs that will forever live in my heart because <laughs> they are a part of what formed me in the faith. Or, you know, at the time, they they fit. It, it's like going back and listening to music from the 70s. Like, at the time, that was the sound. And, and we can still love that, even as we say, that is not the sound anymore. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Abba. Yeah. <laughs> Love ABBA. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to songs from the 70s as I make a playlist for my nice, parents' nice. wedding anniversary. So um, that, and I think it's, as we think about the church, it's that age old question of how do we hold on to the old and embrace the new? You know, because we said we, we need, we need that whole history. We can't just constantly be going new 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 because then mm. then we're just looking for the next thing we can't but we can't get stuck either especially when it comes to the forms of our worship and, and it's a hard balance because different generations are looking for different things different people are looking for different things some people think the bagpipes for instance are the best sound and, and i have had experiences Wait, where i've heard not. them <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've heard the bagpipes be very worshipful and joyful and all the things that the bagpipes should be. But then I've also had experiences where it's like, oh, this is not, nope, this isn't what I need right now. Um, and so as we, and that's part of being in the community together in embracing what what individual people need, but also looking more broadly at what the the whole community needs and where they're at odds, maybe maybe choosing the community over the individual. I, I was just reading, as I signed my son up for swimming, talking about coaching strategies and saying, your kid is on this team and we want them to grow and we want them to improve. We also want 30 other people to grow and improve. And so sometimes that might look like your child having to accommodate what the group needs mm. that that maybe your child has to sacrifice his or her individual growth for a period of time so that the community can grow which is ultimately going to benefit them and how great it would be if the community of Christ took on that kind of perspective as well and I'm not saying that the world is terribly good at it otherwise you wouldn't have to put it in a swim contract <laughs> right this is right this is how we operate um that, and I think worship, as we talk about edification, worship, when it grounds us in community, hopefully does help us to do that a little better. It, it broadens our horizon. It it helps us to think, well, may, maybe singing these songs isn't isn't exactly what my heart needs right now, but I can recognize that this group of people really needs this right now, and 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 trying to honor all of that and and hold all of that in balance while you're growing and honoring the past. So it's, it's complicated. It's more than just God is good all the time. Yay. Um, it's so much more nuanced and, and delicate, which is why we have to keep doing it. Why we have to keep being shaped, why we have to keep coming back to the place where we're crying. Holy, holy, holy. I'm a person of unclean lips and I live among a person of unclean lips. And I need that reminder that I've been cleansed. I have been covered. I have been redeemed so that, that 
I can continue to go out into the world and, and share those same things. It's, it, it, it's so it, it, in a certain sense, uh, it, you know, there's a wisdom in God not preserving those forms so that mm-hmm. we don't kind of look at them and say, oh, this is the, this is the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the, the recounting of the story of God multiple ways and multiple times in ways that hit us in, in different, in differing ways. And it's, you know, I, I like that analogy from, from what you had to sign off on through coaching because, you know, the, when we commit to being a part of the Christian community, we commit to a give and a take Mm -hmm. and not a, this is, this is my way. And, um, you know, this is what I want, which, I mean, we really do have a, a consumeristic mindset. I mean, the fact that we have church shopping mm-hmm. as an actual phrase in our vocabulary. Uh, and if you, if you don't do what I like, then I can go to the church down the street mm-hmm. and find what I want. And take my money and take my service hours and, and my support with me. So yeah. Do what I want. Which, which when it becomes about, well, what I want, what feeds me and what I get out of it, then the faith has ceased to be theocentric and it, and it has become entirely meocentric, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a frightening thought. I mean, the the whole point of Christ going in our place was that we could not do for ourselves what we needed. Yeah, we could not become a holy dwelling for God on our own, and and so we needed someone to displace us, quite literally. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I, I, I see that and, and, and um, as we talk about that, you know, they're, they're really, it shapes us. One of the ways that, that worship can shape us is to knock off our consumeristic Americanized mindset that is, that is you know, BK, you rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's currently BK, have it your way. My kids sing that. All the time. Oh yes, yeah. BK have it your way. You rule though yeah. at the end. Okay. Um, and they it, don't ever get to that part. Yeah. Part before I'm like, stop it. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like we've been told, we can have it whatever way we want, mm-hmm. um, and that has bled over into the church that we can have church whatever way we want, whatever whatever flavor, whatever do you want. You don't want pickles on your church. No pickles, mm-hmm. uh, which I know is a ridiculous statement, but yeah. I figured rather than actually tick some people off with a real issue. Yeah. But yeah. And again, it's, it's hard because I don't think you shouldn't necessarily stay in a worshiping community where you're not growing at all and you're not connecting and you're not learning and you're, you're not being shaped and yet sometimes we're called to set aside our own needs and desires and preferences. And so it is, and I think that's where we've just swung too far to that idea of what I prefer. And and, and you're right, you know, in college, I, I felt like the worship wars were the, the biggest problem. If you could just mm. find some way to blend contemporary worship and traditional worship in a way that made everyone happy, then all would be right with the world and the church. And even as churches have done that, those those discussions haven't gone away. They've just taken on 
different form and different different needs and and we see it in in different styles of churches i mean that's why we we spent a whole sunday a whole sermon on how we deal with other churches outside of our own tradition outside of our own body and and lifting up the idea that maybe we all have a way to serve christ that we can't be all the things to all the people and so i guess i bring that up it's it's complicated again like i don't think i don't think people should stay out of obligation to a church where they really don't feel the presence of god but i think if you humble yourself mm. and 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 submit and open yourself to being shaped by worship then you're going to find that that balance a little bit easier. Yeah. So it's almost like the forms weren't an issue, but human hearts maybe were an issue. Yeah. Hmm, Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, So, all right. So I want, I do want to ask this question. Um, uh, So you, you did the prep and I know how prep is uh, in terms of, in terms of sermons, what hit the cutting room floor? What were the things that you were like, I would love to say this, but I can't because it's not the right format. (laughs) Um, that whole part about don't get drunk. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about drunkenness, please? <laughs> yes. um, and so often this verse and verses like it have been used to put limits on how much alcohol a person can consume. You know, two drinks is okay. Three drinks is too many. No drinks are okay. Um, that you know, we try, it turns into this legalistic kind of do this, don't do that kind of thing. And, I think it's important, and and when we treat the verse like that, like a, a legal rule, we miss the idea, we miss the, the second part of it. Don't be filled, don't get drunk online, which leads to debauchery. Instead, and that's the important part, be filled with the Spirit. And so I think Paul had a much broader idea. And I'm sure, I'm sure just the the fact of drunkenness was on his mind because as we read into the rest of Ephesians and as we read prior to this passage he was addressing all these moral issues so I don't think he would have said the being drunk doesn't matter at all but what he's saying is don't fill your lives with this fill your life with the spirit instead and that goes back to that garden illustration that that we have to be really thoughtful about what we fill our lives with. And I think we focus on the, the drunkenness part, but I think we could fill in the blank there. Don't fill your life with constant noise. Be filled with the spirit instead. Mm. Don't fill your life with the constant strive for ambition and, and accolades. Don't fill your life with more stuff. I mean, how many people do we know that feel like, the next car, the next computer, the next mm. house is going to fulfill all their needs. You know, put all those things aside and be filled with the spirit. Because if you don't, then these wrong things are going to take over your life. And also bound up in that was the idea that at meals, significant family conversations took place, family and community conversations. And, and if you're drunk, you can't. You can't witness to someone else if you know if you're drunk on wine then your witness 
to others about Christ is compromised in the midst of that. And you no longer care as much, uh, you know, before the podcast, I said the, you know, the phrase, the only people that tell the truth are drunks and toddlers. And that's Mm. true. You know, when we, when we do overindulge, we've, we've lost that filter. We've lost that care about how our words are going to hit someone else. We may even lose the memory of what we've said altogether. Um, and the way that that, that breaks down community and harms the body of Christ together. So I don't think Paul had a legalistic view here, but he was saying this should be the attitude with which we approach lives. Fill yourself up on the Holy Spirit. Let that be what takes root. We'd mentioned last week out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and you know, the, the, Verse from Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is righteous, whatever is good. Think about these things. You know, even in the Old Testament, we're told guard our hearts and, you know, not let the the wrong things in. Mm. And I think that is a part of what Paul was saying. Well, you had brought here. up, you had brought up even in the sermon, um, the, the fact that, um, shoot, I'm going to lose it here um, now. Um, but... But, oh, making the most of, of every opportunity, you had brought up the fact that it's like, you know, snapping up, uh, snapping up opportunities, snapping up bargains, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if, if, if your life, if your life's goal is to fill up on wine or whether it's ambition or whether it's self-indulgence in any form, whether it's, um, you know, just trying to have a comfortable life or whatever. If that's your ambition, your your senses are dulled to actually responding to those opportunities where other people may be able to to come in and and see a discipleship opportunity where you're mm-hmm. just like, I was just playing golf, and and I say that in a very real sense because I watched my mentor have tease out some spiritual questions while we let someone play through with us through one hole of golf. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was, it was incredible. Like, I'm like, dude, I, I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get the ball towards the hole. Yeah. And like, you're having a, a, a discussion about this. How, mm-hmm. how do you do that? Well, it's because he had trained himself to, to, to look at those opportunities and say, Oh, I've got, I've got eight minutes here. Yeah. What can I do with those eight minutes? Yeah. How can I encourage someone? How can I witness? How can I be a witness to, to what Christ has done in my life? And, and again, as we've said, we said throughout the discipleship part, it doesn't have to look like going up to random strangers on the street saying, do you know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? Here are the five points that, that you need to know and then sign on the dotted line or pray this prayer that, that our discipleship, that these, these opportunities can just be laying a foundation, can just love someone, can yeah. just be friendly to someone. You know, I think of the many service people that that wait on me throughout the course of a week at Starbucks, at a fast food restaurant, at the grocery store, the, you know, the telemarketer people that call, that, um, that a little kindness could be that opportunity we're looking for, that when we're so full, full up of getting to the next thing or all the other things that need our attention do pass away. Um, and again, just, just being kind, just being friendly, just not being rude could be a first step at that. And 
And we need to have our eyes opened to that awareness. And again, worship helps us to do that. When we realize who we are in the presence of God, then remembering, okay, these three extra minutes that I'm going to stand in line waiting aren't the aren't that big of a deal. That nothing in my life is so important that that this little inconvenience is is going to derail me. Yeah. Um, and again, those those things are cultivated, and we're not always perfect at it. I am not always perfect at it, Nor for sure. Um, but all of that, I think, kind of where we. I know we talked about it a bit ago too, not not filling our lives with constant noise, constant hur- hurry, having a little b- bit of margin helps us to slow down a little bit so that we can recognize these opportunities so that we can attend to them. And, and sometimes those opportunities are simply just to pray, to, you know, to take a minute to mm. honor the person that crossed your mind and to pray for them. Yeah. Um, or to send a card or to send a text, whatever, whatever it looks like. But in this passage, Paul had that sense, don't let any opportunity go wasted. Don't let any opportunity to worship go wasted. Um, and again, I mean, there are so many tools at our disposal. Spotify, m- the music there, if, if music is the way you worship, the silence and the, the prayer, there are prayer guides, there are, are you know podcasts that like this one that talk about matters of faith um it's actually interesting as we were talking about phylacteries i was realizing something new has been coming across my social media feeds um as a way of memorizing scripture and they've actually made graphics of the first letter of each word in a particular verse and you can you can get them as a bracelet you can get them as a tattoo you can Mm. get them a temporary tattoo i'm sure you could get it and do a real tattoo if you wanted to that's fine. Um, but that that you, people are starting to realize that we need these reminders. We need yeah. to. And the idea was that that every time you saw that bracelet, every time you saw that that tattoo, that that it would reinforce this verse that you were learning, much like the phylacteries and the, right. the mezuzah and and all those things did. So I, I want to circle around just real quick. Um, so I think on that golf course, cause I've been thinking about this. I think the way that Jim made the, the most of that opportunity was to be genuinely interested in the, in the guy that was playing through mm-hmm. when he found out he, um, he, you know, he found out Jim was a, a, a ministry professor and I was a, as a, was a ministry student and Jim used the opportunity to say, uh, cause I think he said he grew up Catholic or something. He said, what was your experience of, of church growing up mm-hmm. and just very interested, you know, took a genuine interest and just asked a simple question. And, uh, that opened the guy up to discussing his experience with churches and, and his current, you know, non-attendance and, and so on and so forth. And it wasn't invasive. It was just simply, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, what was that like growing up? And I think that's where wisdom comes in too, in, in reading the room and seeing how people respond and, mm. and seeing if doors and conversations open up and again if we're if we're constantly seeking god if we're being shaped by community if we're being shaped by the word of god then then we'll be a little more attentive to to all of that and you know because i've had conversations too where people have you know told me of their their church history and their you know what whatever is 
keeping them from attending church or or whatever and and there's power in saying you know god god loves you god still loves you right um and then you know and there are times where it's very clearly like this is not a conversation to have right now okay yeah exactly and and you drop it and but there are so many more things that people are would love to talk about and and that goes back to relationship that if we show that we want to genuinely have an if they are more to us than just a a a discussion about faith then they're willing to open up to those things Mm -hmm. and i think you know if we were going to sum it all up that that again in studying this passage i was i was realizing again just how interconnected all these things are you can't disciple unless you're worshiping yourself and in relationship with other people your relationships with other people are not going to have a depth unless you're there's an element of of discipleship in your own life and that worship alone isn't isn't going to help us grow that that all these things they're connected they're interdependent and they're they're part of our calling is as Christians, as Christ followers, as people of faith, and we can't neglect any of them, but we also can't elevate any one of them above the others too. What has surprised you most about the, the, uh, as we've gone through this series, what has surprised you the most? Oh, that's a good question. I think, I think just a reminder of the depth which, which, with which all these things have to take place. Like we can't just say, oh, I'm friends with a bunch of people, check. You know, I'm, I'm going to Sunday school, check. That, that there's a surface level to engage all of these things. And, it, and it's a good start. I mean, those things are not bad things. Um, but they're, that to truly be growing, there is a depth to all these things that we can't overlook. Mm. How about you? Same question. I, I think... I have really been surprised at how interconnected when you said that that's mm-hmm. what prompted me. Cause I, I'm, I have been blown away and, and I don't think that I had that sort of understanding of the faith when I was growing up, it was mm-hmm. very much an education of the mind mm-hmm. and it was disconnected from the a- other aspects of my being. And so to see all these things, I, 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 wow, it's like almost like God knew what he was doing. Huh? huh. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. And so it's, it's been a delight to see that. And I think, I think too our our elders should should stand back in amazement and say, "Wow, God has really been faithful in us mm-hmm. looking towards these things." Yeah, yeah, it's good and it's exciting, and I think one one hope I have for the days to come is that now that we have rolled this out, now that we have started to explore, and you know, we've said over and over again in the office, there, you know, each of these. Each of these points could easily be a whole year of preaching. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but my prayer is that it will give, and my hope is that it will give direction to the church. And now each thing that we do can kind of be run through this rubric of where, you know, what pillar does this strengthen and, and how does this fit? And, um, and, and some things are going to fit really well. Uh, some things we're going to have to be more, intentional about how you know making them fit or adding elements so that they do fit and then I do think some of the things that we as a church do you may say like hey this isn't where we want to spend our time and our energy and that's okay too yeah yeah wow lots of good things yeah 
Lots of good things. Well, as you know, as you've heard me say at the end of every episode, if you found this episode helpful, would you please leave a rating review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? Put it on whatever platform you are on, whether you are on Facebook, Instagram, or the new X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, please, uh, please share the episode so others can find it. Also, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. We never know when we're going to drop new episodes. And so clicking that subscribe button or uh, ringing the bell, as it's called sometimes, uh, that will allow you to get the episodes when we release it. We really appreciate it. We really do enjoy doing this and hope that you find it uh, edifying as well, mm-hmm. to use the, the theme of the day. But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. <laughs>